Hey, how's everybody doing? Yes, indeed. Thanks for the enthusiasm. It's a good day at my church. Thanks for being here. I want to welcome you again. And uh, my name is Richard. I'm one of the uh, team, uh, one of the leadership team here at my church. And uh, we're going to continue a series of messages that we have been enjoying really for a, a little while now. It's called What Every Christian Should Know. Now, if you have been in our services for some of these, what do you guys think? Isn't this a great series? I mean, we are learning so much. It's really cool. And there's a whole lot more yet to come. In fact, next Sunday, you do not want to miss next Sunday at my church. We're going to uh, have some cool stuff going on. We're going to uh, observe communion together, uh, which is awesome. You know, just one of the great ordinances of our uh, faith. And so we're going to do that. And also, Ed's going to bring a message called What Every Christian Ought to Know About Setting Their Fantasy Football Rosters. And so I don't want... Oh, wait, you were joking about that. That's not really true. He's going to, the, the message next week, seriously, it's going to be awesome. It's about, uh, it's about finding out about God's will for our lives and His purposes in the world and as, 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 as people. So it's going to be amazing. I mean, if you've ever thought about what's God's will, uh, you need to be here next Sunday. You don't want to miss it. Now, today, our conversation is on the topic of what every Christian ought to know about handling temptation. Temptation. I consider myself somewhat of an expert on this topic, given my vast experience in being tempted. Because it happens to me all the time. And I want to let you know, there's a reason why I'm such an expert at being tempted. There's a reason why I get tempted all the time. Are you ready to hear that reason? It's full, it's, I'm disclosing here, so be, be gentle. Everybody, you guys with me? Do you know why I get tempted all the time? Because I'm human. That's it. I'm, I'm one of you. I live and breathe and walk on this planet. And so that means I get tempted. That means you get tempted. We're all experts on temptation. Being tempted, good news, it's not a sin, all right? It's not, it doesn't make us sinful people. It just makes us normal if we're tempted to sin. So the, the real fact of the matter is it's, it happens to all of us, every single one of us. In fact, one of the coolest verses in all the Bible that deals with temptation makes that point. And I'd like to start by reading this verse together. And this is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And verses 12 and 13. Now, if you have your Bible, you can read it. If you have the sermon notes in the info guide, you can follow along. Or you can follow along on the screen. Verse 12 says, If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. Here's, here's the, the cool part. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. Now, pause there for just a second because... That's, that's awesome to hear, that every person deals with temptation. We're not unique in that. We can feel very unique in our temptations, but the, the real truth, according to the Scripture, is that everybody deals with it, and everybody deals with it on a similar level. Let's continue reading. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation... To be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. 
He will show you a way out so that you can endure. That means that there's not a person on the planet, there's not a Christian who's ever followed Christ in the history of the world that didn't know what it was like to be tempted. Temptation is common to all of us. And God is faithful that He won't let that temptation be more than we can handle or more than we can bear. And He will always provide a way of escape. This is good news this morning. I want to pause for just a second and tell you what this verse is not saying. Now this verse, although one of the coolest verses in all the Bible, is one of the most misinterpreted verses in all the Bible. It's been misinterpreted by many of us, many of our friends, many of the people we follow on Facebook and Instagram. It happens. But I just want to clear something up for you. This verse does not say that God will never give you more than you can handle. Now that is a really cool phrase, is it not? God won't give me more than I can handle. I've got bad news. That's not in the Bible. In fact, stuff happens all the time that is more than we can handle. This verse is talking about temptation. This verse is saying that although temptation doesn't originate with God, He promises that He will never let any temptation to sin be more than we can. In other words, no temptation to sin is ever an impossible situation. There is no temptation, Kobayashi Maru, the no-win scenario, Star Trek II, anybody. (laughs) Wrath of Khan. Okay, it's the best of all the Star Trek movies. But the point is, the point is, is that there is no temptation, Kobayashi Maru, there's no temptation, no-win scenario. God promises that He will always provide a way to escape or get out of the temptation. He doesn't originate temptation, but He helps us when we are tempted. He doesn't say here that nothing that happens in your life will ever be more than you can handle. I'm sorry. And let's don't hate on the people that post that on Facebook. They mean well. I meant well when I used to say it. But there's this verse that I found this week, and I I can't believe I had never really read it before. It's, a, it's in 2 Corinthians 1, 8, 9. I don't, I don't have this on the screen, but I just want to throw this out at you. This is the Apostle Paul talking and telling stories about what they have, he and his uh, posse had been through, his entourage. And they had been through some very difficult times. And this is the same man who wrote this verse that says, God will help us in our temptations. But here's what he says about hard times. Are you ready? For 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8 and 9. It's it's, it's kind of paraphrased, it's not paraphrased, but sort of uh, excerpt. It says, we do not want you to be uninformed about the troubles that we experienced. We had a hard time. Sucks to be us. Oh, I said sucks. I'm sorry. Shouldn't have said that. He said, we were under, check this out. We were under great pressure. Pressure that was far beyond our ability to endure. Wait, I thought God wouldn't give me more than I can handle. Wrong. Happens all the time. But here's what Paul says. It was so bad that we even despaired of life itself. We can talk about whether he was suicidal or just prayed that God would take him. I don't know. But he says, this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but rely on God. That's why, I just wanted to clear that up, okay? All right, this is not, so when you hear, when you see a cute post on Facebook, don't like it. Because you don't want to support that. It's just bad theology. And if you have posted it, 
delete the post. Okay, because we're learning. It's okay. It's no, I'm not judging. But that's the thing. So this verse is about temptation. This is about God stepping in when temptation comes and allowing us a way of escape every single time. There is never a time where we can say, well, there's just nothing I could do. No, the Bible said we, there was something we could have done. We just missed it. We just chose not to take God's escape plan. There's one other verse I want to read you about temptation, specifically a little passage that will be real helpful to you. It's found in the book of James, also in your, uh, your little notes there and uh, on the screen. James chapter 1, uh, verses 12 through 15. It says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, after they've endured this temptation... They will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. He never tempts anyone else. Let's pause right there. So in other words, let's, let's learn and, and grow in this understanding that when, we're temptation, when temptation comes in our life, when we're tempted, it is never from the hand of God. We're going to talk about where temptation comes from today in our conversation, but it's not from God. The amazing thing is that even though it's not from God, He says, got you covered. I will cover you with the verse that we read earlier. I will make sure that every time you're tempted, you'll have a way of escape. Now, let's continue with this passage from James. Because it does say, listen, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Ooh, that's depressing. Here's the thing. Sin does not make us bad people. Sin makes us dead people. Sin kills things, spiritually speaking. And sometimes quite literally speaking. But sin is, is intended to bring death, to... to the, the enemy of our souls, we, we, know, we learn that we have an enemy as we study the scriptures. His name is the devil, Satan, Beelzebub, whatever. It's a lot of names in, in the Bible. The father of lies, he's called sometimes. The devil's uh, purpose in the world of existing, his goal, his business plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he does. All right? So temptation doesn't come from God. It comes from our own evil desires. Look at that here in just a minute, and we'll explain that a little bit more. And, when, and if we follow those evil desires, we will, it will lead us to death. It will lead us to dead ends. So we need help. That's why it's so cool that God promises to be with us when we're tempted. What I thought we'd do today is kind of pull the curtain back a little bit on temptation. We're going to talk about how temptation works and how we can prepare ourselves for it, and how we can uh, respond to it, to temptations when they come. This is going to help us big time. But there's one more verse I want to read to you, and it's found in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and it says, After all, we don't want to unwittingly give Satan an opening for yet more mischief. We are not oblivious to his sly ways. This is a cool passage of scripture. He had just gotten through instructing about forgiving. So it was kind of in, that was the topic that he was on. And he was saying we got to be sure to forgive people who have offended us and uh, walk in forgiveness. That's a big deal. It's actually a big temptation. It's to not forgive, right? And to be bitter 
and to hold things against everybody. So anyway, Paul teaches about that, and then he hits this punchline, and he says, we just don't want to give the devil any room or any extra room to do mischief because we are not uh, oblivious to his sly ways. One version says, we are not ignorant of his schemes. We know how the devil works. Guys, do you, get, do you realize what this means? We could literally be people who are not shocked and surprised by what the devil tries to do in our lives. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be helpful to us, would it not? For us to be able to say, ah, oh, yeah, that's, that's how the devil works. Have you guys ever heard of this, uh, this Bible teacher, this lady Bible teacher, her name is Beth Moore. You ever heard of Beth Moore? She's awesome. I like listening to her. I don't know what that says about my masculinity because she does ladies' Bible studies, but she's awesome. Dudes, you could learn a lot from, from Beth Moore. We all could. One time I'm watching her on TV. She tells a story about two dogs she has. She has one dog that's older, kind of an old, larger outside kind of dog, and then a smaller, little, excited, puppy, lap dog type. So as they, they were starting to acclimate to each other, the small little lap dog would always try to sneak up on the big, lazy, old, tired dog in the yard. And he would try to sneak up on him and pounce. So you'd have the old lo- lazy dog just over here going, uh, you know, live, oh, excuse me, living a dog's life, right, just chilling. And then this little dog is trying to sneak up. All right, so it's this open yard. There's, no, there's nothing to hide behind. It's just this dog, and he's like sneaking up. And here's, here's the big dog, and he'd just every once in a while he'd look up, and he'd see the dog, and he'd put his head back down. And then the dog would kind of sneak up, and he keeps sneaking. And finally, when the dog was close enough to get ready to pounce, the little one, he would just get ready to pounce, and the big dog would just go and move like this, and the dog would go splat on the ground. Beth Moore thought this was hilarious, as do I. And she said that she imagined if these dogs could talk, which we know they can when we're not around, right? You're, you're tracking on that, right? So anyway, but the, the, here's what the big dog would say as the little dog is sneaking around. The big dog would look up and go, you, you know I can see you, right? When I read this verse... We are not ignorant of his schemes. We're not oblivious to his sly ways. You know what it is? This gives us the power. We can have the confidence to go when, when, when stuff is happening and, and our lives are starting to get stressful and crazy and we're starting to get depressed or anxious or, uh, or maybe even tending to want to just go out and medicate our problems and, or whatever our temptation might be. We can lift our head up and go... And go to the devil, look, you, you know I can see you, right? You know I see what you're doing here. I get what you're up to. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to kind of demystify the whole temptation thing. And we're going to find out why it is we can be so confident because we know how the devil works. Now, where does temptation come from? Temptation comes from three sources, according to the Scripture. We're going to look at them each individually, but I'm going to give you the, the, the list real quick. The temptation comes from the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. The unholy trinity of temptation. These are, this is how it all goes down. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Let's look at the first one. The world. Temptation comes from the world. There's a verse in uh, 1 John chapter 2. And it says, uh, 
it says, Do not love this world or the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Now, some people would read this and think, Oh, so I'm, I, I'm not supposed to love the world. So are we talking about the physical world? Like I'm supposed to despise the planet? So I'm not going to care about the earth? Now, that is not what this verse is talking about. This verse, if you look in the original language, it actually is the, the word that we get our word uh, cosmos from. It's, 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 not, it's not even the literal physical. It's, a, it's referring to a system like you would have a system of government almost. So what the, the, John is teaching is he's saying don't love the system of this world. Don't love the way the world works. And don't buy into that system because if we buy into a system, now this could apply whether we are on a team or in an organization, in a church, whatever. We see a system, a way, the way things work. And we buy into that. When we buy into it, we attach value to whatever that system values. We say, I want what this system is heading me towards. I want what this system defines as the, as the punchline, as the, as the touchdown, as the win. And it's, I'm buying into... John is saying, don't buy into the world's system. Because if you do, you're going to start thinking in terms of motivation and direction. And you're going to allow the, the values of that system to determine what matters to you and what direction you go in. And that's going to affect our decision making. And that's how temptation comes in. Does that make sense? Do not love this world or the things of the world. Um, because if not, it, it, because when we, when we buy into the world, it drowns out the voice of the Father. The Heavenly Father. It drowns out the voice of God's love until such a time as that we finally snap out of it and hear the roar of God's love calling us back to Him. And so that's how temptation comes. It comes through the world. Another, another is it, it, the flesh. Temptation comes through the flesh. We are not talking about our physical bodies. When the Bible, uh, when you see the word flesh in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, it almost always is referring to our sin nature. Our sin nature. The sin nature that we are all born with because Adam and Eve chose to sin. I, d I don't know if you guys believe this or not, but a biblical life worldview states that we are not born good. And we're not born nice. And we're not born with this automatic, I'm going to be a good citizen. That's not how we're born. According to the scripture, we are born with a sin nature, meaning we tend, we have a propensity to only care about ourselves. Now, if you don't believe that, I want to tell you something. Now, I've got a, a, a baby granddaughter, seven months old, How, anyway, she's six months old, right? Yeah, I love her. You can tell I love her so much. So anyway, this, this child is awesome. I love her to death. I'm not going to show a picture I did last time, but I was tempted. <laughs> to show a picture. But I, I chose not to. So this child is awesome. But I'm telling you, if we could, and I don't know that, that her, her parents, Thomas and Kendall, and her grandparents and all her family, if we could shield her from every negative influence, never show her a violent cartoon, never let 
uh, harsh words be spoken. Never let volume rise in a, a conflict or an argument at home. If we could shield her from everything, do you know what would happen? One day she would take her toy and throw it at her cousin. She would. And you know it's true, don't you? Let me tell you something. We got a lot of babies in my tots right now. There's something wrong with those kids. There he is, man. It's the same thing that's wrong with us. It's sin nature. When my kids would just come up with ridiculous nonsense and selfishness and, and sinful behaviors and attitudes when they were young, I mean, there would be the people around us like, where did that come from? I said, it came from the sin nature, my gift to them. You're welcome. But that's how it works. The, f- the flesh is part of us. It's our sinful nature. And there's this verse uh, that says, that's very descriptive of what the sinful nature is like. Um, in Galatians chapter 5, it says, the acts of the flesh or the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, enviousness, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, our sin, I, you know, that, that, so in other words, temptation comes from that sin nature too. It takes advantage of that sin nature. And so that's part of what we're up against. That's part of what we're fighting. And some of us, if we're old enough and we've been through enough, we've even got habits and patterns, maybe even addictions that play from this sin nature and it's causing us to be sitting ducks. I mean, serious targets for temptation. And it makes it feel impossible to resist. But the scripture says that there's always a way out when we're tempted. We'll talk about that in a second. But again, the world, the flesh, and the last one, the devil. The devil is the mastermind behind it all. He is our enemy. I don't know if you believe in the devil. I do because I see in the pages of Scripture that we're in a spiritual battle. Check this verse out. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're not fighting against against people. It's a spiritual battle. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places, the enemy of our souls... Satan is the mastermind and he is hard at work to play the temptation card on us as often as he can and as strong as he can to make us feel overwhelmed and to make us feel there's no way for escape. It's almost like this when you think of the three directions or angles that temptation comes from. It comes from the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's like the flesh. Our sinful nature is like a big pool of gasoline. And the world system we live in that screams at us over and over again, day in and day out, about what's important and what's valuable and what we should invest in, what we should care about and what we should not care about. That's like a match. And the devil is the one looking to strike the match at any point where he can. And if he can strike it and toss it into our sin nature pool of gasoline, and then we feel, oh, the devil made me do it. I couldn't help myself. And it just seems overwhelming. But the scriptures say there is hope. So there is a way 
to handle temptation. There are some keys. I want to go over real quick. Keys that you ever watch a football game and they, they say keys to the game. Keys to the success for, for Mississippi State against Kentucky and they, they did none of the keys. And so we lost miserably and I am sad. But anyway, so I'm going to give you keys to the game. Keys to the game when it comes to fighting, resisting, handling temptation. We're going to address all three of uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, obviously, these as sources of, of temptation, they kind of work together. Sometimes it's a temptation moment that we experience. It's kind of a mashup of all three. But I want to give you some really good handles that you can, that you can write down in your notes and you can say, I can, uh, I have some tools, I have some weapons, some spiritual weapons I can use now in this fight. So against the world, you remember the world system that is a source of temptation for us, against the world, the key is our faith. The key is our faith. Really cool verse in, in John, 1 John chapter 5 says, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith. You see, you remember what makes a system matter to us, what makes us buy into a system is if we agree to the values that that system puts forward. If we agree to be motivated and directed by what seems important within that system. And if we do that in the world system, the voice of the Father will be drowned out. But if we can begin through a better understanding of the Scriptures, if we can begin to place value on what God values, then we start, then we start getting stronger. We get to start getting uh, a little more skilled in our battle with that temptation. I won't be directed. I won't be motivated by the world system. I'm going to be motivated by God's system, what He values, what He claims. Comes to and, and the beautiful thing about this verse is that it says that this will overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith, our belief that God cares about us and loves us. And His system is a better system. And that our needs will be met. And that our purpose will be fulfilled and we'll have a destiny that matters as opposed to running after the world system. So when it comes to facing temptations from the world, the key is our faith. When it comes to facing temptation from our flesh, our sinful nature, the key is flee, exclamation point. It is a very spiritual, wise, good thing to run. When you are tempted, when I am tempted... By the sinful nature. You know what I should do? I shouldn't think about it. I shouldn't have a conference about it. I should run for my life. I should flee. Second Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 22 says, Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteousness, righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. And enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts, it's okay to run. You would almost think that the cool, mature thing to do would be, uh, or, or that the key to being dealing with temptation would be, be stronger, try harder, do better. 
But you know what the, the key is? Sometimes just drop everything and run. I uh, have historically battled in my life with, uh, with, uh, with temptation of lust and sexual sin. And I don't mean to say that to make anybody feel uncomfortable, but it's just the way it is or was in my life. And so I have, I always thought that if I was going to get better about all that, I was going to try harder, I was going to read more Bible verses, pray more, go to more church, be more spiritual, and just be stronger to the point where, you know, that doesn't bother me anymore. You know what? It still bothers me. I'm still tempted. I can't, it, it hasn't stopped. And, you know, how many, I, I don't know if you guys have ever been in a situation where, yeah, and by the way, I'm going to stay talking about this. I know you wish I'd move on to another topic, but I won't. I'll keep going. But uh, I don't know if you ever thought, if you were single and struggling with sexual temptation, you thought, man, if I could just get married, everything would be okay. You know what I'm saying? And I did, and I got married. And my, my wife is the prettiest girl in the room. I'm sorry, it's just true. But you know what? I still don't mess around with sexual temptation. You ever have a cup of coffee with me at Starbucks? You'll see it. You'll see how I deal. You'll see how I flee sexual temptation and and visual, you know, temptation with my thought life and lust. I call it the SIP rule. Ever heard of the SIP rule? When the Starbucks door opens, I take a sip. Because, gentlemen, ladies... Contrary to popular belief, it is not your responsibility to look and assess and, and evaluate every person that walks into Starbucks. Did you know this? I just want to set you free. You don't have to do that. You don't know them. They're not for you. So, take a sip. And then when they walk by, put your cup down. It's the sip rule. It's Richard's fleeing. It's how I do it. If I'm walking, if I'm driving with my wife and somebody's jogging down the street, you know what I do? I turn and look at my wife and talk to her. You know why? Because I'm fleeing anything that would stimulate youthful lust. And I'm not even youthful anymore. <laughs> so you flee. That's the key when it comes to the, to the lust of the flesh. And it might not be a, 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 sexual, lust, a, a sexual lust temptation. It might be lust after something else. Flee. Turn the channel. Leave the restaurant if you shouldn't be eating there. You understand what I'm saying? It's quite simple. To quote Ed, one of his favorite phrases when we're dealing with issues and situations and problems, he says, you know, this is not hard. We got a way out. We can do this, all right? So just flee. And when it comes to the devil, dealing with temptation that comes from the devil, the key is to fight book of James chapter 4 verse 7 says so humble yourselves before God resist the devil and he will flee from you resist the devil and he will flee from you sometimes it feels like when I risk the devil resist the devil he just pushes back harder so all I can do because I've chosen to believe in God's value system and believe in His Word is I think, well, I guess I should just keep resisting and eventually what God says will happen, will happen. That's the way we do We fight against the enemy. We have spiritual weapons. We have the learning and growing in the Word of God. We have prayer. We have gathering for worship. We have weapons 
And I want to tell you about something that I think is one of the coolest weapons that's vastly overlooked. It was actually referred to in the Second Timothy verse we read a few moments ago. You know how you can fight? You can chew, you fight better if you don't fight alone. You fight better if you don't fight alone. I'm telling you, there are people standing... Yeah, thank you for the enthusiasm. So, here's the thing. If there are people sitting in here right now that are thinking, in your mind, you're thinking, the stuff I'm dealing with, the temptations I'm dealing with, and the failures, maybe because I gave in to temptations, there's nobody else in the room who understands what I'm going through. I want to gently and, and, and graciously tell you, you are wrong. There are people all over the room that know exactly what you're going through. I lead a, a men's group that meets on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights. It's called Route 1520. I've told you about it before. I won't bore you with it. But we get together as men and we talk about the things that have, the, the, the patterns and the habits and sometimes the addictions that have hung us up. And many of us have dealt with that sexual sin thing I was talking about before. And you know what? One time we were sitting talking with the guy who actually started the group over in Birmingham. He came and he met with us. It was really cool one Tuesday night, and he was talking, and he said, you know, sometimes I'm in rooms, and we'll talk about the things that are, the fears that we have. He said, I was in a room one time, about six guys, and we said, we're going to go around the circle and tell our, our greatest fear. Oh, that's a fun room to be in. So anyway, he said, I'm going to, so he said, I fear that I, bottom line is, every guy said pretty much the same thing, some version of, I'm afraid I'll never be enough. I'll never get it right. I'll never be enough and I'll fail. I'll let people down. And then when I feel that way and when I'm afraid about that, I medicate, I go out, I try to uh, overcompensate and I end up screwing up my relationships. Every guy in the room said the same thing. And they were joking about it later and they said, wow, (laughs) you know, the devil's not having to work real hard for us because we're all believing the same lie. And do you know why we're all believing the same lie? Because nobody's talking to each other. Nobody's talking about it. Nobody's saying, hey, I'm having trouble with this. And this guy is is sitting in the pew, sitting in the small group, going to the men's breakfast or whatever it is. And he he doesn't feel like he can say it. I'm asking you, tell somebody, man. All of us, let's talk. Let's fight together. We can't fight alone. We will lose the battle if we fight alone. So, I've got one more verse I want to read for you, and then we're going to land this plane, all right? There's a cool verse in... Oh, I forgot where it is. Oh, it's right here. John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. It says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one that is in the world. This is the idea that one version says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So it's basically saying that God is greater than our enemy, and that's really good to hear, right? But here's the thing. That what, what the, the best part of this verse is not that God is greater than Satan. It's just the best part is that God is in us. He's in us. So that allows us to do something that I'm going to suggest. It's not in your notes, but I encourage you to write it down. I'm asking you to do this. Listen to your temptation. Listen to your temptations. 
I mean, we're going to resist the devil. We're going to flee youthful lust. We're going to have faith that will overcome the world system. That Obviously, we're going to do all that. But in, as you go, as you do those things, listen to your temptation. Because if you'll listen to what it is specifically that is a particular weakness for you or a particular thing that would, would tempt you more than others, if that happens to you, then if you'll think about it and talk to God about it and talk to other people about it, then it'll show you something in your heart that God wants to change and that God wants to help you with and that He wants to help me with. I found a really amazing verse of Scripture this week. Uh, I don't have it on the screen or anything, but I'm, I, I wrote down my journal because it was really amazing. In Isaiah chapter 57, um, verses uh, 18 and 19. It's talking about a guy, uh, the, God is speaking about a guy, a person who's backslidden, a per- person that's far away, that's paid the price for bad choices. And God says, I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I've seen everything he did. I know why he's vulnerable to certain temptations and I saw him say yes when he should have said no. I saw him stay when he should have ran. I saw him Lay down when he should have fought. I saw it all, but I will heal him. I will lead him. I will restore comfort to him. I will bring peace and I will heal him. See, here's what we need, y'all. What we need... See, if God is in us, then we can take the chance, the risk of looking deep into our hearts about why certain temptations own us so much over the years. I don't want to have that conversation because I don't like thinking about it because it makes me feel depressed again for all the stupid stuff I've done. But God wants to do more than just bail us out of temptation. He wants to heal us. He wants to heal what's broken. And so this greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, this is a lot bigger than my daddy can beat up your daddy. Now the good news is our daddy, our heavenly father, can beat up the father of lies. He has, he will eventually forever so that's cool but you know what the best part is is that god this one that's bigger and better than everything is in us and he's in us not to just rescue us from temptation but to heal us and to make a difference in our lives can you get does that make sense to you that's pretty cool all right so i'm going to ask the band to join me and we're going to uh i want to read something to you um that song they sang earlier called Living Hope. You guys, the second song we did, wasn't that amazing? Love that song. So cool. Um, I wanted to read you uh, one little part of that song that blew my mind when I was thinking about it. It says, How great a mercy who could imagine what heart could fathom such boundless grace. The God of ages step down from glory to wear my sin bear my shame the cross has spoken I am forgiven the king of kings calls me his own beautiful savior I'm yours forever Jesus Christ my living hope this is our God y'all this is our God he is here not to just Let us escape temptation by the skin of our teeth. He's here to heal us. He's here to change us. And that's the good news.
that is the good news. That's what that verse in 1 John 4, 4 tells us. We're going to go for it. We're going to do it. All right. And he can start whenever he wants to. Stand with me. Because we're going to sing about it. We're going to close by singing about it. And then we'll pray and do the offering and all of that. But we're going to sing about it because 1 John 4, 4 tells us that greater is he that... Here's the deal. Handling temptation is not about a plan. It's not about a scheme. It's not about our strength. It's not about us getting better. It's about a person. Handling temptation is about a person. It is our Heavenly Father. It is His Son, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us. He is able. He is able to save us. He is able to rescue us. He's able to take our brokenness and make it into strength. He is able to take our sin and heal us from it. Let's sing about how God is able. Amen?